Hello and welcome to the Cinemundo podcast with Kathy Mark and Burke talking about movies. We have there's extra people today. What the full house? <laughs> well, from the we other have, side of the world. We have yeah. from the UK and uh, Ireland. We have um, Jason Figgis and John West, who are Hi. filmmakers, uh, and uh, they're, they're very happy. Yeah, you know. very happy to have you. So. Um, they have a production company called Figus West, and their latest release is a film called Winifred Meeks, which was just released in the U.S. from uh, Bayview, I believe, on April 27th. So it's available for streaming everywhere. So please check it out. We watched it, and we're going to talk about that and many other things. So welcome aboard. Thanks for thanks for coming on. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about how you guys met and created this new great genre film company. <laughs> I begin with that. I'm going to let John do the intro this time. Okay. Oh, thank you very much. I was going to say we've been together 40 years, but that's not true, is it? No, what it was, um, I'm a big fan of Simon Marsden. Um, he's a photographer and writer who did stuff on ghosts. And many years ago now, I was looking on YouTube and I saw this uh, documentary, The Twilight Hour. It was actually put out by someone other than Jason. And I watched it and I thought, Bloody hell, this is really good. So I left a comment saying, you know, what a great film, what a great man he was, shame he's, he's passed away. And uh, Jason actually replied and, and said, thanks very much. And we had a brief chat and um, I'm, I'm, I'm a very spiritual person. And I just felt that there was something told me I needed to remember his name. And I actually wrote it down because I had a feeling we were going to be working together in the future. And then literally it was what, about four or five years and... Um, I was uh, going out with this lady and she said that Jason was in Suffolk filming a documentary about MR James and he was also doing some stuff for a, a new documentary on Simon Marsden. So I, I messaged him on Facebook and he said, oh, sorry, I've gone back uh, to Ireland. I thought, oh, God, because I, I wanted to interview him for a couple of mags I write for. And uh, so we briefly chatted on there. And then one day the phone went and I thought it was Bob Geldof on the other end of the phone. I thought, what have I done? What, what, what's he want to speak to me for? And it was Jason. And we got on really well. And oh, I think no. from this point, Jason should take up the story. Well, you know, as soon as you mentioned Bob Geldof, we did have the same headmaster in school. <laughs> but uh, him being a fair bit older than me, he went, he was like 10 years ahead of me or whatever. Um, but um, in separate schools, a guy called Father Godfrey, who was a really nice headmaster, actually. And he was a priest with the name Godfrey. And it was his real name. <laughs> well, that's got nothing to do with this story. That's just like <laughs> an aside. So, um, uh -oh. so what happened was, oh, do we have to look at me? Uh, <laughs> so, that's throwing me off. Lovely shirt, uh, right? I'm going to look here. I'm going to look here. Okay. So, what happened was, um, I wasn't in the mood at all to make a phone call to a journalist. And I, I thought, oh, I went, I was in my parents' backyard. Uh, we say garden in Ireland, but I know in the States it's yard. So where am I wrong? Is it backyard? We call it yeah. garden sometimes if there's okay. a garden. Okay. <laughs> well, there's definitely a large but garden. Yeah, yard and garden. Uh, yeah, there's a garden. And um, um, so it was a really sunny day. And so I suddenly became in a really good mood. And I thought, you know what? I'll ring this journalist and see what he's about. So I rang him and we had a good chat. And then shortly... I maybe three or four minutes into the conversation, I really warmed to him. I thought, Christ, we've really got a lot in common. And I'd mentioned something. He'd go, oh, I watched that when I was a kid, or I used to do that when I was a kid, or 
I went here, I went there. In fact, I think we were doing it at the same time. And I thought, this is really strange. So I said to him, look, I'm finishing this film, uh, which is looking at the life and work of Simon Morrison, because he sadly passed away very young. He was only 63. Like a lot of well-known people, have you noticed they die when they're 63? Mm -hmm. Very strange. Um, I can't think of or a second 27. person, but I know there's a lot of people, famous <laughs> people who died at 63. So, so um, I said, look, would you be interested in being a part of this film, uh, the Simon Morrison film? And he, he said, absolutely, I'd love to. So I sent him a cut of the film. He loved it. It wasn't the first cut. I think it went on to another two cuts, I think, didn't it, John? Because it I decided, I, because John was pretty much an expert in Simon Marsden, I thought I've got to have him on, into, you know, on camera as well. So I did a third cut. Um, but before that, um, it was just getting a lot of great reviews. And, and John had, had kind of put out feelers to the media and they were, you know, it was getting published in glossy magazines. A lot of them, as we know, John, that you would just stumble across and go, wait, didn't you look at this? You're wow. on the cover of this bloody magazine and stuff yeah. again. <laughs> so John was scouring East Anglia, you know, hunting down magazines that had actually published articles that he had put out there, you know? And <laughs> um, so um, we realized, wow, this is really coming along well. And Nikon came on board and they sponsored it. And uh, they, they paid for the, the world premiere of the film at the very famous British Film Institute in, in, mm. uh, in, in South Bank in London. So we went along, we had a great time. Now, I'm a huge fan of Hayley Mills, um, uh, the child actress Hayley Mills. Me, me too. Yeah. Up, you know? <laughs> and she came, she came to the showing. Wow. So I got wow. a kiss from Hayley Mills before the premiere, world premiere of my film. And uh, she did warn me, she said, now, Jason, I'm very sorry, but I have to run after, uh, so I won't be staying for the Q&A because my, my son has a premiere in the West End. So she had 45 minutes from the end of the film to get across, which was lovely of her to do that, you know, to turn up. So that was That's a thrill. Really, That's so really we cool. We were doing a Q&A together at, at this event, and it was very funny. It went on for like an hour and a half, the Q&A, and no one left which was amazing. You know, the fear people start yeah. yawning and getting up. And <laughs> going, Where the fuck are you going? <laughs> but they didn't. Nobody left and people were laughing and we kind of thought, Christ, we're like a double act here. So we decided to have lunch. We, we, we had a couple of lunches, didn't we? Because I had to meet some other people as well. Yeah. So we met up, we went to like the British, what's one of the British, the London Museum and Museum different and cafes. And Covent Garden. Covent oh. Garden. And we said, we um, don't tell that story. Anyway, <laughs> no, uh, wait, wait, wait. Don't, don't tell that story. It's always when you yeah. tell the story. <laughs> oh, I just said that. Erase that bit, seriously. Um, <laughs> but um, we, uh, we, we decided, uh, you know, I just said, look, do you want to go into partnership together? Because grad yeah, obviously this, this, this is working. I know it's the honeymoon stage, but it's working. <laughs> and, uh, and he said, what do you want to do next? And I said, well, I wrote this film in 2016 uh, called Winifred Meeks, a haunted house film. And I wrote it for Lara Belmont and Lara had come out of retirement to do the film. She, she, she loved the idea, but she thought I'm going to do this. I'm, I'm going to do this film. And, uh, and John said, okay, well, when do you want to do it? And I said, well, how about in two months time, you know, we shoot the movie and he goes, all right. And he went and organized it. <laughs> so, so carry on there, John, about what you did in order to make the film happen. Well, after I collapsed and got back up, I started to um, look around for a property 
and I found a place in Dunwich, which is a little village on the East Anglian coast. In the medieval period, it was one of the biggest towns in England, and most of it's fallen into the sea, and it's supposed to be haunted and that, but it was this lovely Victorian building, and I inquired about it, and the funny thing was it was owned by Mr. and Mrs. West, nothing to do with me, and uh, yeah, funny. it's true, no relation, yeah. nothing, I thought, synchronicity, whatever. Yes, seriously. Yeah, it's true, true, and yeah. it's actually stands next to a haunted leper chapel, a ruin <laughs> chapel, and these white things are seen flitting around and apparently in the garden and stuff. So I, I, I did that, and um, I was dating this woman at the time, um, Julie Abbott, and uh, I suggested, uh, how about her playing the ghost? And so she did a little mini audition. I think she did, didn't she, Jason? I'm not sure. I can't remember now. And you said she was fine, so she came on board. <laughs> She's fine. <the> ghost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and, she, did, uh, you know, she looked great. She was great. Um, she made an amazing ghost, basically. I mean, she really, she really did. And she took direction easily. So when I was talking to her, you know, I'd ask her certain things. She'd respond a certain way. And I always know if somebody can take direction or not. And if they can, you will get a performance out of them. Sometimes it comes to violence, but rarely. You know, you, <laughs> know. you didn't beat anyone the cattle prod, just as a you know, as a <laughs> but uh, you know, I never needed. I didn't need it once with her. It was fantastic. <laughs> no cattle prods for your actors. There were a couple of times where I said, "No, not now." When I fucking tell you, a couple of I, maybe once or twice. That's, that's that not bad. Great. She was really good, and she had, she had a great this great ability to be incredibly still and and not blink. So when she was in the window, you know. I, the piece where Lara looks up and she's looking and then she drifts backwards. I mean, even when I looked at that, I went, how the hell did you drift backwards? And she's kind of looking at me going, oh. So I sometimes wonder if she is of the earthly plane. I'm not Maybe sure. she had a skateboard. Yeah, I would have heard the wheels squeak, though, because a lot of people that, I had a, she had a carpet under and I pulled it back. <laughs> Were you up there with her? Were you up there with her? I was at the time. Uh, that explains a lot. Yeah, I'll be the seller, I think. Mystery solved. Yeah. Great. Sort great. of the opposite She's of the the scene in the house on Haunted Hill where the where the housekeeper. Comes oh, in. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that, oh yeah. So love good. That. We always call yeah. her the skateboard witch. Because we include that in the film, don't we? A little bit from that from uh, that classic. Yeah, that's right. We have the house on Haunted Hill on the TV screen. Yes, you did. That's right. First night. Yeah. That was that's a true. great yeah. nod to that. Well, I think it's amazing that for two months after you, you meet and have this discussion and two months later, you're actually, you know, starting to get this film together. Cause that's just, I, I you know, I've, I've made a short film. I just know how hard it is to put together a short film, never long, never mind a feature length film. And you know, it just seems that's kind of amazing that it sort of came together so quickly. Yeah. I mean, it was amazing. What was even more amazing was I, had only seen photographs of the house. So I was trusting John completely that he had got a place that would be a very, let's face it, it's a hugely important character in the film, the house itself. Absolutely. If it had been a little semi-detached, you know, <laughs> housing stage, you'd be like, well, actually that could have been even more terrifying. Who knows? But That's true. Um, it, it just worked. But what was really odd about it was when I turned up, Originally, I had written the script that the ghost, you know, she has a confrontation with the ghost in the kitchen because in Ireland, there are no cellars. You know, you won't find a house with a cellar. Yeah. 
and then we turned and then I turned up and we go in and there's a bloody cellar in the house and I thought so my original idea for the story could now be realized so in a way I was compromising before and now I realized I didn't have to compromise but not only that the layout of the house was exactly as I had written it in the script wow. including the small stairs going up to the room which is now a children's room where mm -hmm. she held her vigils etc I could not believe it. I mean, it was literally like we built a set to make that work. You guys had some weird mojo, man. It was just yeah, meant to be. <laughs> sometimes with old, sometimes yeah, with old houses, it's really hard because they're so small. A lot of times the, the rooms and the doors and the hallways are so narrow and small. It's hard to get cameras in there to get them far enough away from things, you know? Yeah. So that's, 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 a, that's an accomplishment in itself. You don't have any, you know, wild walls to pull out or anything <laughs> you know we have the trailer we have the trailer for Winifred Meeks that we can play so people can get a visual do you oh, like sure. the trailer you want us to play it for you okay yeah, yeah. Why not? I know it well <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, uh, do it <laughs> Mom, I haven't even been slightly tipsy yet. <laughs> I'll do that, love. I think this house is haunted, Dad. Oh, here we go. Seriously, Dad. There have been some odd happenings. Such as? Voices, sensations. Uh, do you remember the time when you were 16? <sighs> here we go. No, listen. Okay, Dad. Do you remember? was 16 and you held a vigil an all-night vigil at the cemetery because you were guaranteed a visitation from the red lady of midsummer's eve i was a child true but no buts but there is a pattern when it comes to things that go bump in the night with you squirrel all right dad so maybe there's an element of wishful thinking this is different it, it's different. Love, look, I have to bring your mother her tea and hot water bowl, so um, I better sign off. You know the score. The last servant, etc., etc., etc. Okay, Dad. And keep me in. In the loop. Of course, I know, Dad. Love to you and Mom. Thanks, good Mom. Please leave me alone! <laughs> That looks all right, didn't it? Creepy. Yeah, that is a spectacular location. Well, I I love. I mean, I love um, haunted house movies, haunt haunted movies. You know the the movies that not only are about hauntings, but movies that actually haunt you after you see the movie. <laughs> I think you know, I like the haunting, which is a great name for a movie. That's a that's a uh, haunting film about a haunting. That's called true. the haunting. And, uh, Stop it! This original by Herbert Wise, amazing. Yeah, yes, yes. But what a, a uh, what a great genre, you know. What a, I think it's kind of an untapped resource too. I've always felt like you know, there's got to be more movies like that out there somewhere that somebody's going to make. You know, somebody's got to mm -hmm. make that that haunting movie about a haunting. <laughs> 
And well, this was very- a quiet, so a kind of quiet, beautiful film. I mean, I think that's what I liked about it. Is like a lot of American films are very bombastic. Like even if it's supposed to be a quiet ghost movie, they get a little like. Wah. I think what I liked about this was just sort of the quiet, sort of you know, very contemplative feel to it. I loved the the concept, and I I don't know whose idea this was of putting like the TV and the radio over everything because when you think about it, that's how we kind of live our lives now with this constant noise everywhere. I loved well, that idea of bringing an end to a movie. You know, that was a very very because I am um, I came up with the stuff about the television because mm-hmm. I've done that before in other films, but John's John came up with the radio stuff. So very again, cool. it was a perfect kind of blending of ideas that were that were similar but different and yeah. something I wouldn't have considered. And he came up with the idea of it being Sherlock Holmes. Like, right. yeah. let's annoy the crap out of her in the car all the way to the house, you know. <laughs> that was very fun. And even when he gets into the car, of course, he didn't turn it off, so it yeah. starts going you know which is, and it's funny you know the the sequence mm-hmm. is funny you know it's right they're being very sarcastic with each other you know right uh, so you know i i love that but i i like the kind of you know the meta idea of you know referencing the fact that you're it's a film you know and mm-hmm. and, and and you're inspired by this and the other it was like a great story i heard that uh, william friedkin told and i i, I watch every interview he's done he's the funniest yeah. guy ever you know all he does is apologize to everyone he's abused over the years. <laughs> right. But he said this great thing when he did Killer Joe. There's a sequence. And if you look at the movie again, and if you don't, you probably, you guys, I'm sure, know this, where the truck pulls in and you can see the entire crew inside of the truck. Yeah. Yes. And it was a great shot. And the, and the, the you know, the, the DP said, director of photography, for anyone who doesn't know what that means. Uh, <laughs> lingo. Yeah, lingo. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, you put up bubbles, you know. Um, and he said, uh, the guy said, oh, let's reset. And Friedman goes, why? And he goes, uh, you know, why? And he goes, because we can see the entire crew in the side of the truck. And Friedman's like, it's a great shot. I love it. We're not doing it again. Do you really think the audience believe there isn't a fucking crew making this movie? <laughs> let's move on. And that was it. And he, and he wouldn't let them shoot it again because he okay. said the audience aren't idiots. They know there's a crew there <laughs> making a movie. Let's not treat them like idiots. Wow. So, I, like I know it. it's like different, but the idea of putting in TV screens and radios, let's face it, you got yeah. a young woman on her own in a place in the middle of nowhere writing, writing her book. Right. Any sane person, the first thing they're going to do is turn the radio on mm-hmm. or at night have the TV on because they're going to want a bit of company. Yeah. So right. in her case, it's TV while she's in there radio while she's wandering around the house or going to bed at night and then when she's going asleep she'll flick it off so i thought well it, it might annoy some people but you know we're always going to annoy some people i mean there are people that hate winifred leaks and i've discovered i mean I've, I've clearly found out why a lot of them hate it because they say it's like a bbc ghost story for christmas but the people that really like it like it for the same reason. Yeah, I was gonna say, when is that a bad thing? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's what I liked about. In fact, yeah. it's funny you say that because I thought when it started, it felt very Hammer film to me, like yeah. this kind of old school because it had the, the photography looked like that. The yeah. music came in, and then that voiceover. I just felt like I was about to watch a Hammer film. It was great. Yeah, that was I loved the point it. of it. We're yeah. inspired by Hammer. We're we're inspired mm-hmm. by Lawrence Gordon Clark's Ghost Stories mm-hmm. for Christmas in the seventies for the BBC. That's what inspires us. So 
you got 20 year olds coming to this movie. Of it's course. not their kind of movie, you know, because right. they want yeah. ghosts to rip people's guts out and gouge their eyeballs out. It's not that kind of movie. No. Other people have said, is it even a haunting at all? Or is it the gradual, you know, she's not in a good place anyway. And exactly, she's right. Is she building it up? Is it has it become yeah. something? Because let's face it, no one else sees the ghost. She right. does. Yeah. But actually, she doesn't. If you think about it, she dreams about the ghost, but she doesn't actually see it. Even when she's in the cellar, it's behind her, you know? Yeah. She doesn't have a frontal confrontation with a ghost. So I love the idea of leaving it up to the viewer to decide, is it haunted or is it is it is this a psychological drama? Is it even a haunted house movie at all? You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's some of the best some of the best movies and that's one of the elements of films I think that do haunt you because it leaves you with questions and I think when you're left with with some questions that you have to use your own imagination to to solve yeah. it engages your brain in a way that keeps the story in your brain, you know. Right. And yeah. uh, some of my favorite things are like that where suddenly you realize, wait a minute, is this movie really about that or is it about something else, you know? I mm-hmm. You know, is this a movie about somebody's mental health or is this a movie about a spiritual haunting type of thing? Or, you know, I mean, look at I keep bringing these same movies up as examples, but things like Rosemary's Baby. Did that really happen? You know, <laughs> I mean, I like the- Maya Farrow's character is having yeah. a meltdown. Yes, yeah. I'm sure. She was having a meltdown in, re- in real life because yeah. Frank Sinatra yeah. did not want her to be making that movie. And right. uh, that's right. As you know, he told her, "If you do not leave this film, we're done." So she was already in a bad place making that. Yeah. And I think I think that helped inform her brilliant performance in that yeah. movie. Yeah, and that great haircut. Uh, yeah, <laughs> which well, beautiful. Young <laughs> I, I, uh, so, that, uh, that, that was filmed in the, the place where John Lennon lived as well. Yeah. Right. The Dakota, the Dakota building haunted for sure. Yeah, there's a lot of stories with the Dakota building. Yeah. That place is weird. I've walked through it a few times, and it's a, uh, it's it's one of those places that if there's ghosts, you know, in New York, it's either there or the old Chelsea or something like that. Well, I'll go back. I saw Winifred Meeks twice. The first time, I thought it was a real haunting, and then the second okay. viewing, I thought, mm-hmm. well, maybe this is inside her head because yeah. it is. There, the atmosphere has to do with her getting away from obviously a troubled marriage. Something's going on there. She's sort of out of sorts, but she and she has this deadline. She's getting all this stress from her agent. You got to, you got to deliver this book, and you know, and so there's all this going on. She has the TV, the radio on, and you're in this big house in the middle of nowhere. There's that sense of displacement, which I always find really interesting in a movie where you just feel out of sorts. You're not, it's like, it's like travel horror. You're out on your own somewhere else and you're, you feel off. And I, that's the sense I get from the film. Plus she's a writer. So she's got this creative um, tendency anyway. She's trying to think of ideas and things. And when you're, engaging your brain in a kind of a sensory deprivation deprivation situation like being alone in a house you know your 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 mind you know, like they say the old saying your mind can play tricks on you yeah Absolutely. i felt like the ghost was probably the least of her problems when yeah. i was watching that get a husband who's unfaithful and also not really trying very hard to apologize let's mm-hmm. face it yeah he no. was getting irritated i played the boyfriend by the way so <laughs> oh you did she rang me up and she when she heard it said, Jason, you make such a lovely boyfriend, you prick. 
<laughs> so, John, you mentioned. No, I was going to react that way, that I was going to actually be quite irritated that I had to apologize. You know, That's for funny. Christ's sake. I've said I was sorry. She meant nothing. How many times? Yeah. Nothing. What's your problem? Like, it's her problem, right? Forgive <laughs> me already, will you? Let's move on with our lives. But, um, so, uh, I have no idea what that's pertaining to at all, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Jason, you met, I think Jason, it was you. You mentioned earlier that you, you, you got Laura Belmont out of retirement to play Anna. Now, so she was actually retired from acting at this point? Not that, I don't think it was a, a conscious, uh, I am retired. It was that she ended up having three children and she moved mm. you know, from London down to the country. I see. Discovered new friends in a different life. And the funny thing was that, when John and I started posting updates about the film, and um, you know we're friends with Lara on Facebook, you should add her. She's lovely, you know. He said, "Oh yeah, for sure." She's lovely, and um, I posted up a picture of her sitting on a chair when she was eighteen with her arm around Tim Roth, you know. <laughs> and her friends were going, uh, "Lara, why are you? Why have you got your arms around Tim Roth? You're not an actress, are you?" And she's going, "Yeah, I am. Yeah." <laughs> She kept and that not, quiet. Not <laughs> only an actress, like she she was um, one of the top teen models in the UK. She was discovered by one of the great model uh, um, scouts. Oh, God, I can't remember her name. Really famous woman who used to walk around London looking mm. for models. And she was just walking down Oxford Street one day. And this did, Isabella Blow actually uh, discovered her. And um, they'd be, they were friends forever, actually, until her she sadly died. Uh, um, but um, yeah, she was just walking down Oxford Street. She was discovered, and then because she was a model, she was getting involved in the film world, and it came up that there was an audition for this movie, and she beat out three thousand other teenage girls to win wow. the role opposite uh, Ray Winston. So you think about it, in her very first film role, she was in there with Tilda Tilda Swinton and Ray Winston. Damn. Two acting superstars you know and two of the greatest actors of their generations and um and she held her own completely and it was colin farrell's first movie and it was colin That's he played the boyfriend in it and he i, I said uh, how'd you get on with colin and she went mm. so, <laughs> yeah. so, uh, he's supposed to be pretty intense <laughs> I, didn't go, I didn't go further yeah but um so yeah so uh, she literally had just gotten on with her life, you know. Um, she had, you know, she had done the war zone. She did Rise of the Foot Soldiers. She did the Lives of Henry VIII again with with Ray Winston, and she Crime and Punishment with John Sim, a very famous English actor. And um, she, it just, you know, she just got on with her life, met her partner, had children, moved, you know, down to the country, and wasn't really pursuing it. So when I sent the script to her. Um, she was like, wow, okay, this is something that I, w I want to actually make an effort to let's get back out there and make this. But what made it extra difficult, I think Lara was concerned about it and actually aired that concern in the very first article in Starburst magazine, was that I wanted to shoot it like an Italian movie. I shot the entire film with no sound. Uh, I was about to say, wow. did you shoot MOS? That's the, that's wow. the, the Italian style. Huh? That's funny. There were reasons for it, right? And oh, yeah. I know with the Italians, a lot of it came out of originally the noisiness of the cameras, and they realized it could work much quicker if they just filmed and then added the yeah, sound. Because right. mm -hmm. there were such great technicians for that. 
Um, and then, of course, you've got Foley. I mean, Foley was created by an Irishman called Foley. Yeah. And it was on, Foley was actually created for the Stanley Kubrick, Kurt Douglas film, Spartacus. I don't know whether you know the story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, tell it. With the army marching down the hill. And no one had recorded sound. They had these thousands of actors walking down a hill with their swords and blah, 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 and their spears. And they were all in there going, Jesus Christ, what are we going to do? And the carpenter happened to be walking by and he goes, uh, Mr. Kubrick. And he goes, yeah, he goes, I know what to do. And he goes, you do? Nobody else does. So he came in and he says, play back the footage. And they play back the footage. And he took out his huge bunch of keys and went, <laughs> that's funny and they all went oh my god <laughs> life changing so he became he went from being the carpenter to the guy who created foley that's and started hilarious. making all these sounds for them you know and they went this is incredible and had his you know and he, and he, Love that. he had a great career doing that started off as a, a carpenter like harrison ford who also went on to a great career Right. Here's <laughs> uh, a great Foley story with you. You were uh, talking about William Friedkin for The Exorcist, where he called in an Italian Foley artist, and uh, they were trying to figure out when the when her head turns around. You know, like what sound does that make? You know, what sound does your neck make when it goes all the way around? You know, and uh, Friedkin says that this guy got in the recording booth and he's watching it. and He pulled out his wallet. You know, this leather wallet, and he just kind of went <laughs> like that with this old leather wallet. And it was like, and and uh, Friedkin was like, that's it. <laughs> but I Done. love that inside the box. And of course, the woman who voiced um, Pazuzu. Yeah. I don't even name that bloody name. Sorry. Bless me. But uh, <laughs> I'm a Catholic boy. I'm a Roman Catholic boy. Um, so, <laughs> but, um, yeah, that she was smoking like 60, 70, uh, oh, oh my God. 80 <laughs> cigarettes a day. That Great can't be good. Eileen Dietz. Eileen Dietz. Yeah, she's. I mean, and Mercedes McCambridge, I think, did the voice. Eileen did the did the uh, adult things, you know, but I think Mercedes McCambridge did the, the voice, you know. Oh. Well, you know, Jack McGarren, of course, a great Irish yeah. uh, actor. Um, uh, who played Burke? Burke. Yeah, but you re you remember he dies in the film. Uh, oh yeah, Burks always die in movies. <laughs> Anytime they you usually see a Burke, deserve it. Yeah. Oh yeah, Burke, you know where you guys are from. The name Burke means idiot, right? <laughs> yeah. Serial killer in Scotland, Burke hair. Burke hair. That's true. Yeah. Sure. yeah. I'm in Edinburgh. <laughs> you guys got some good ones too. You got some good crazy people there. <laughs> We're full of crazy people in England, you know, and Scotland and Wales. And <sighs> I'm glad you didn't say Ireland was in the UK. I really no, really no, really uh, no, of course. Okay, no, I know better. Yes. Yeah. Well, geographically, we're in the British Isles, right? But right. politically, yes, we're not in the UK. Mm -mm. Don't want to be. They were once, though. They were once up until about 1922, weren't it, Jason? Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And then, and then they did add enough and say, look, we don't want to be a part of this anymore. We're off. We threw the English out of our country. And that's, you know. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> we're friends. And that's the main thing, isn't it? We put all that beyond us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah is it? <laughs> well, my great uncle was the guy who got the arms from Germany to fight the British during the Rising. He went wow. over to the Kaiser 
1914 and they gave him 20,000 Mausers, which he smuggled back on the Asgard with Erskine Childers. And when the police found out that they were going to, the Black and Tans actually, those scumbags, when they found <laughs> out that the, 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 arm, the armaments were being brought in, they tried to surround the boat, but hundreds of Irish people came to the docks and they smuggled all the weapons out between them. So when they got on the boat, there was five rifles. And they were like, well, you can't really start a revolution with five. <laughs> oh, wow. What a, what, that's, that's amazing. That sounds like a movie. Yeah. yeah next project. How did stuff like that happen without social media? <laughs> Only Neil Jordan budgets like that. Though, you know? Neil, Neil right. Jordan, yeah. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, I guess it would you, be expensive. You've got to tell them about your, your Stafford. Uh, connection as well he's, he's connected to almost royalty yeah really? my, I'm a direct relation to the Earl of Stafford who was King Charles first right-hand man and who was betrayed by Oliver Cromwell nice John's obsessed he even has a bloody portrait of him on his walls first of all is it doing with Oliver Cromwell on your wall? You. <laughs> I've got a bust of him as well. You might oh, really no. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's probably a ghost somewhere that he wants to find. But he did point out. He said, "You do realize Richard Harris played Cromwell in a movie." Exactly. Said, okay, that's okay. Uh, yeah. That's yeah. Okay. He was very good in that film as well. <laughs> very good. Good old Richard. Yeah. Uh, so no, I good in everything. I ended up watch. I've watched uh, Torment, and I watched. Uh, oh. Did you recognize me? You know, I've seen you? those movies. I had to say, I really liked. Did you recognize me? I liked them both. Well, you um, know, the, you know the big guy with the hammer. Yes, that's me. I know. I saw that in the credits, <laughs> uh -huh. but you didn't show your face. You had a mask. On. No, do you know? The, let me talk about that for one minute, right? <laughs> the reason why I decided to play Babyface was it was the only way to direct the movie and be in it and not be uh, seen as directing the movie. Oh, that's funny. Because my character. But I'll tell you what. What's really freaky about that film is, you know, the the little woman in it, mm -hmm. girl woman who was yeah. the boombox and she yeah. was crying throughout the entire movie. She yeah. thought we were making a snuff movie. They were real tears and terror. They right? really thought you were going to kill a guy? She did because wow. she never See, the idea of the film was we shot that entire movie in 24 hours. Wow. Right? No one knew when they went into that room that there was going to be a big guy in a baby face mask <laughs> and a white beater with a hammer tied oh, no. to a chair drenched in blood. Nobody knew. So. The oh only the only person God. that knew was Darren Travers, who plays the twins, who's amazing. You know, he ended yeah. up winning. He won the best performance award at Starburst Media Festival for that. Love it. And Love uh, it. you know, he played. He, and and when you look at the two roles, when he played the brother, um, um, the intellectually uh, challenged brother, and mm -hmm. um, he did that a year before because he said, "Jay, we're going to do this movie. I'm going to oh. need a year between performances." Yeah. And he created uh, utterly amazing. You know, he walked around the city like that. He got the police actually stopped him once and said, "Are you okay? Are you oh. He never went out of character. Never went uh. out of character. And uh, but then, of course, when he plays the the cool, dangerous brother who's highly emotional and mm -hmm. very dangerous, and you notice he towers over everyone else in the cast. Yes, when the pretty little Matt Toman comes in, you know, uh, to make his film, and then suddenly he's like looking up at this guy. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, I love that about it, you know. And then he meets, yeah. 
you know, and then it brings out the gimp brother, i.e. me, who's even bigger again, you know? So, <laughs> so that was funny, right? But um, it was fun. oh, yeah, people were, the cinematographer, when he shot that movie, who was the guy with, with the camera, he was the cinematographer, so he had to act. That's so really like, funny. You better be good, man. You better be good, or I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> when he went home that night he just put up one word on on facebook he just wrote traumatized (laughs) like literally the girl when i called cut at the end of the film and i pulled the mask off the girl dropped the boom pole ran over to me and threw her arms around my waist sobbing that it was oh poor thing i thought she didn't act again Oh, oh really? What did you do to her? <laughs> I felt really bad about that because I kind of assumed she knew it was a movie. I mean, she'd known me for a while. I think it was because I was nowhere to be seen. I think that's what it oh, was. Yeah. I was never there. I was either hiding in a little outbuilding, or I was, <laughs> or I was, you know, waiting to do all that stuff. And of course, the hammer, you know, obviously is a prop hammer, but it meant that I could really hit the guy as hard as I wanted to and never flinch away. Personally, now being a father of a four-year-old girl, I do not know why I made that movie. It's a total. <laughs> the other guys are going, we haven't seen this. What the hell? Are you <laughs> it's demented. I, mean, I watch everything. It's demented, though. Isn't it? I mean, it is it's demented. demented. Yeah. It is. But see, you know, I liked it. It was very, it, I think what I liked about it, it's interesting you said it was shot over such a short amount of time. It was very contained and very lean. And I, yeah. I like just it had one just one clear cut idea and it went for it. And I just love the whole social media aspect. The guy's like, yeah, I'm filming stuff. And then it turns on him in a way. I just love that concept. And when you guys went into the room and there's a guy. Yeah, right. There's a guy singing in the chair. I was like, I don't know if I want to watch any more of this, but I did. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Well, the girl who on the other camera, really, really goth, the gothic girl. Yeah. She's a great filmmaker. She, she did oh. Demon Hunter. She did this great thing kind of strange film about a demon hunter and she's mm. gone like she's gone on to loads of other things so the whole yeah. thing was very meta it was filmmakers yeah. playing filmmakers i love that you know right. and, and i think that's what helped but also the opening of it you probably found it hard to understand the dialogue did you you must have because yeah. some, very, some very thick inner city dublin accents in it like the young guy you know the yeah. little blonde guy the pretty little guy at the beginning you know um with the two girlfriends, you know, um, <laughs> yeah. that was filmed in one of the toughest parts of Dublin. I mean, the oh. fact that we got out of there unscathed was even something miraculous. Yeah. Um, and we didn't tell them we were there. So when you had people shouting and we were, and we were pixelating their faces for the added realism of, Oh shit, is this a movie or is it a documentary? Yeah. It, in a way, the first half was a documentary because we didn't know what was going to happen. And even when he attacked <laughs> that guy in the stairwell and, and really gave him the slaps, as they say in Dublin, gave him the slaps. <laughs> gave him the slaps. Uh, the guy just had to take it. It was like, you know, I've got to make, it's got to look real. So it was real. These wow. are genuinely tough people, you know. Yeah, um, it's a found footage feel. Yeah. See, I love the found footage idea because you, you aren't sure. Like, I like just sort of trying to lose myself that it is real. I think that's really fun. So it definitely accomplished that. <laughs> well, Torment, right? When when Torment came out, Film Ireland said that we have to put a warning on this film. It is a. It is yeah. They actually said it is our social responsibility to warn. Wow. People. So, it was it because it's a yeah. woman who's being doing all the torturing. 
No, I think the whole nature of what happened and why she's grieving and yeah. and also her performance is so incredible when she loses it that yeah. it's like like one reviewer said it was like a, like a primal scream you know that just it was, it was mm. very very you know distasteful in a way you know and <laughs> yeah again they're not movies I would watch ever again I think you know <laughs> I made them they're too dark they're too they're very dark yeah they're they're. Yeah, a lot of people oh. say that to me, like, why, what? what was why? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I want to watch it. My wife said you're a completely different person since our daughter came along. I've mm. literally become a different person. It's That's really funny. Um, and amazing. I mean, somebody said to me, I, I was through life. Guild, yeah. And somebody said to me, what is you know, the greatest work you've ever produced? And I said, my daughter. <laughs> and he was like, are you joking? And I'm like, Aww. That's so sweet. She's the love of my life, you know. <laughs> of course, of course. Well, what's next for you guys? I mean, is there another Figus West production on the horizon, or is something oh, you wow. talk about? Or? John, you're like a wallflower there. Come on. I know up. we're not letting him get a word in edgewise over here. That's right. <laughs> He's the director. So I'm just okay. That's enough. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, we've got. Um, well, we're working on a Colin Wilson documentary, uh, The Riot. He's very big in America. Oh, I right. hope you've heard of him. Mm -hmm. He did the oh, outside yeah. and booked on the occult, UFOs, ghosts. So it's the authorized uh, documentary as well. We've got the full approval of the family. We've got some great people in there like Uri Geller, Philip Pullman. Yeah. We're also um, working on a Jack the Ripper documentary uh, with uh, Mike Hawley, who's one of the uh, leading experts in America, and also Stuart P. Evans. And that involves uh, a character called Francis Tumblety. Although he was born in Ireland, he lived in America, and he was actually connected with the, well, they suspected him of being involved in the assassination of uh, Lincoln. So that's what? another thing. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So it's all going to come out in the documentary. And uh, we've got new evidence as well, because I know this character has been uh, in the public domain for quite a while, because Stuart Evans first published his book a few years ago. We've got new evidence Um which well, I'm, I won't I won't go into it, but let's just say that after watching it, you'll probably have a different opinion who Jack the Ripper was. And we've got other films oh. in the pipeline. Um, we've got one Bureau's Dragon with a, an actress called Diane Keane. We've got another, another very big name in it as well. But we, we're not, I'm, I'm not allowed to say, am I, Jason? <laughs> no, we're not allowed. We've got a gag order. Not allowed. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was literally the actor was he was the top of my list. Uh, and I thought, I'm going to start there and I'm going to work down. Brad and we Pitt. started there and I got an email at like three in the morning from his agent going, Jason, uh, I nearly said his name, loves your script. <laughs> and he said, not only does he want to do it, but he's giving you a letter of intent so you can raise the finance on his Wow. Bank. Nice. That's, that's huge. That's yeah. yeah. That's, that's the way great. to do it. Yeah. So, uh, so we're not allowed. They just said, look, please don't advertise until the movie's made. Then right. we don't want to say he's in it just in case, you know. Sure you can probably. tell us. We won't tell anybody. Yeah, exactly. yeah we're immune to those kind of laws and, and uh, regulations. Yeah. yeah it's... The thing is, we've got so many projects, I actually lose track because uh, Jason will mention something. I've forgotten about that. So we've got loads of we stuff. Vampire movie. We have a vampire love story, actually. Um, yeah, I forgot about that. It's called, uh, it's called the, um, the Girl Who Blew Kisses at Trees. Um, I love the title. It's uh, it's about a, a, a Greek vampire who's lost her love of 120 years and uh, decides she wants to find somebody else and becomes a little obsessed with with somebody else that she sees and uh, mm. yeah so that's it's it's um 
it's going to be beautiful, but very violent, I have to say. Um, Good. Her seduction <laughs> of the of the other women uh, who become very complicit because literally all she does is knock on the door and say, invite me in. And when they do, you know, they don't all do it. Right. But do it's not a, let a vampire in. It's never good. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But the but again with the film, what we're aiming for is emotion. Though we want to make an, a vampire film that would actually bring tears to people's eyes, as opposed to just oh my god, that really freaked me out. So we figure a good mix of realistic on-screen violence mixed with tenderness, and also hopefully people will kind of root for her because she's in such pain, you know, having lost this woman that she's been with for 120 years. Um, so the woman just has had enough. She said, I, I don't want to go on. I've had enough of killing. And, you know, that's that's me done. And uh, she takes yeah. her own life. Oh, um, wow. So that's going to be a fun one. We, we've got that in the works. Yeah. Um, Sounds interesting. I love that you have so many movies with women leads. I mean, really, uh, both yeah. of your, like, I mean, Linford Meeks is almost a one-woman show, basically. I mean, John's well, in it for like a second. Well, that's <laughs> why if you want to make a movie like Linford Meeks and you know that it's just one person, you need somebody with the powers of Lara mm -hmm. Belmont, who's sure. like a winner and critic, yeah. you know, yeah. Chicago Critics Circle Award bloody winner, you know, for right. she Chicago. was amazing. You need somebody who's gonna be yeah. able to carry that movie for yeah. you. Oh, oh yeah. Um, and you know, and I, I do. I love. I love writing for women. Like I, it's funny if you go further back before Torment, I did two teen summer project movies, which is really funny. It was literally just teaching kids got sick of the fact that we were doing the same crap over and over. So I set up a thing called teen feature film project Ireland. And I did a cannibal film, a apocalyptic <laughs> film with kids called children of a darker dawn. I saw that poster. I'm like, I need to watch that. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Like, uh, there, there was a I don't know whether you remember this reviewer called the conduit speaks. Um, he kind of disappeared, but he was great. Mm. He said it was in, he, he added on, he said there was a scene in that, that he put on his list of, 13 times I completely lost my shit. <laughs> Put it in that list. That's a huge compliment. <laughs> well, we had kids, like six, seven, eight-year-old girls eating guts, you know, out of a corpse. Oh, stuff. my God. They were loving it. They were, the kids were loving it. That's <laughs> hilarious. Of course. So um, cute. So that, so that just came out. They were never meant to be released. They were meant to be, and the XC of Isabel Mann was the one the next year, a vampire film, you know. Um, but again, is it a vampire film or is it a girl losing her mind? You know, so and a and lot another of, great poster too. Well, a lot of reviewers said that, you know, that girl beautiful. She was only sixteen. She's part of the Arab Arabic. She's Irish Arabic in mm. that has that great look, mm -hmm. and um, and she loved the blood because it tastes. I made it with a, um, it was actually vegan blood and <laughs> vegan blood, but it tasted really nice. And she was like, oh yeah, give me more of that. <laughs> So on one of the posters, she's actually sucking her finger on it. Yeah. And that was literally an outside shot of her going, mm, Oh, that's funny. This. <laughs> that's but, a great, um, great image. never meant to be released those films. And my, my, uh, I have a great, cool sales agent in LA, a guy called Doug Zwick, who used to be senior VP at Disney. And he, you know, I send him stuff. And he said, well, let me see those, those films you made just for summer projects for kids. And he did, and he got them released by MVD, you know, and I thought, they weren't meant to be released. But because <laughs> they were released, suddenly doors were opening up with other people. It was kind of mm -hmm. like, God, I like, yeah, look, Children of a Darker Dawn was on favorite horror films of the year and worst horror films of the year. 
<laughs> You'll never please everyone. <laughs> Doug, I know I'm really like throwing out names here, but I met Scorsese once, right? Woo. Scorsese said to me, he said, you, you, you said, you know, if you make a movie, you want you want people either to hate it or to love it. <laughs> you know, you want them to hate it or love it. And I was like, brilliant, okay. So, uh, <laughs> I love I, that impression. <laughs> I thought people really hate it. That's great. So it's kind of nice, you know. Yes, That's great. You really can't you can't listen to reviews or listen to people no. like that because it will just kill any creative spirit you have. It's just oh, yeah. you just have yeah, to know there will be haters yeah, look, and just look, may as well put it out there. Winifred Meeks is really low on IMDb, right? And it mm -hmm. turns out that the people who are reviewing it are the ones who hate the fact that it's like a BBC ghost story for Christmas. Like I said, that there yeah. isn't all this horror going on it, that it's a subtle atmospheric story, like more like a tone poem. You know, as opposed to this, you know, come, you know, come and get me. But then the people who sadly are watching it and really enjoying it for what it is, they're not raising it. They're just exactly. watching it moving on. So it's the people who are annoyed by us who are going, yeah. yeah. The trolls are the loudest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's the loudest. They yeah. They are. So I ignore them at all. If we get a great review, I take it and I put a quote on the poster and I see the poster building with lots of lovely quotes and they're always quotes about what i intended with the film and not right. what i didn't intend so yeah. i go they're the people i made the film for not the people who are going to hate it you gotta do what you do yeah. and i hear people like that and i want to know what films do you like and it's always dumb stuff so i'm like okay if you're gonna like that then i don't right. care what you say <laughs> It's oh, attacked uh, Clint Eastwood in the early days, you know, yeah. saying Dirty Harry was a load of rubbish and, yeah. you know, and I mean, what did he say? Opinions are like, can I say the word? Is it too rude? Opinions are like something. Everyone's got one. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You know the word I mean. That's a universal saying, yeah. yeah. That's, that yeah. works yeah. over here too. Yeah, definitely I love works. the story. I love the story about Clint Eastwood when he was doing um, – Oh, what was that film that Kevin Costner directed them in? Perfect, oh, uh, something like Perfect Day or something like I can't remember. I where, can't remember. where where Clint Eastwood played a cop and Kevin Costner was the criminal on the run. And oh yeah, what was that? He was directing Clint Eastwood, right? And they shot a scene, and of course Costner hasn't hadn't done a lot of directing. He thought, Christ, I'm really going to get the best out of Clint, and he did it. He did a shot, and he he shot action cut and they said we'll do another take and clint went oh, wait a minute wait a minute he goes, uh, he goes what and he goes was i in focus and he goes yeah let's move on <laughs> yeah. and that was that. Like, uh -oh. well that's the way he shoots he yeah. wanted to do, you know that's yeah. right he knows that's he's doing a good job he's like look i was good in that take we're moving <laughs> and I love, you know, anyone that says when they work with Clint Eastwood, he never says action or cut. He just says, well, let's, uh, you know, get in there and let's have a go. And then, you know, the, the cinematographer will just start filming. And then Clint will walk away. And they figure, I gather we're on to the next thing then, are we? <laughs> that crazy <laughs> guy. I'm very low key. I've had a, I've had a drink with him. And uh, he's. Really? Wow. really? Oh, tell us about it. Uh, oh, is it a rap? It. <laughs> it was at a rap party, and I had something in my hands, and it was a there was like a beer keg, and you know you have to pump them up, and I'm I'm kind of trying to figure out where to put this thing, and I get a 
I had a plastic cup and, a, and suddenly there's a guy there. He's like, you want me to pump that for you? And it was this voice, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and, it was, and so Clint Eastwood pumped me a beer. And actually right after that rap party, for some reason, I went over to Kathy's house. And remember I told you about that when I got mm-hmm. there, I was like, you know what just happened? Clint Eastwood pumped me a beer out of a keg. <laughs> and we sat there and talked for about eh, 15 minutes. We forgive him for talking to an empty chair. We'll just yeah. Clint never did oh, that. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to meet Clint, you know. I mean, oh I yeah, he's classic. Ninety now, you know. I mean, Christ. yeah, he's and he's still, still very formidable, stuff. even yeah. at that age. Like he's still, he, I'd be afraid he still of him. Has the same office, doesn't he, on the lot? Yeah. yeah. We, I was. This was right outside of that office. The, Who's uh, going to take that away from him? Really? Yeah. No. <laughs> I mean, he drives a really beat up car, doesn't he? Yeah, he's like got some goat for you. He, he lived in the same town as Mike Nesman for the monkeys. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's right. You really wanted to know that, didn't you? I can tell. That's right. It's like I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. Good old Mike Nesman. I love him too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Elephant parts. That's yeah. it. Yeah. So good. Don't forget the monkeys. That was good. With a wolf oh, it's so good. <laughs> oh yeah, I love the monkeys. the The show is amazing. I, I met David Jones once, you know. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah still... In the eighties, I met Ricky uh, Dolans. We almost have. Let a... him tell his David Jones story. I want to hear it. <laughs> oh right. well, it's not very exciting. But um, <laughs> uh, I went backstage, met him. I looked down and said hello, Davey, because he's very short. <laughs> and we had a brief chat, and I forgot my camera, so I never got a picture. So oh. I got the, the autograph, but. He was a bit tired, so we didn't chat for that long. But he's the only monkey I've ever met. So um, I'd love, <laughs> love to meet Mike Nesmith and, and obviously Mickey Dolenz. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Peter's no longer with us. But, yeah, Mickey Dolenz became a director for a while, and he lived in the UK for most of the 70s and directed a, a show called Metal Mickey. I don't know if you, yeah. any of you remember it. Oh, yeah. No, no. Yeah. that's crazy. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry my Davy Jones story wasn't very exciting. <laughs> no, you need to call him up and say, I am a movie producer, and I want to make a film with you and see what happens. Speaking of ghosts. Well, well I was being dead. So, um, <laughs> he died a while ago. <laughs> Not yeah. him. The other monkeys. Call him up the, other, the astral yeah, telephone. Yeah, the other monkeys. We'll do that. We'll do that. <laughs> That's a whole other different kind of phone call. That's true. Yeah. Well, you do, t- you know, ghosts. Very high rates. Yeah. <laughs> can, can I tell you something about Jason as well? He winds me up sometimes. One, one of the first times we ever spoke, he phoned me up and he did a, a Michael Caine impression. And oh. for a, a brief instant, I thought it was Michael Caine. So now he's going to have to do it for you. <laughs> All right. Now we got to hear it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. I have to think of what to say, though. I think of something that Michael Caine would say. Imagine yourself John. talking to Christian Bale. About how terrible his job is. The bloody doors off. Uh, Of course, of course. (laughs) He was only 12 years old. Because now he's got older, he's lost that parent as well. Oh, no. Mr. Wine. I think the movie The Trip with, uh, you know, uh, Bryden and, um, you know, um, oh, that's so funny. Yeah. Um, Yeah, They do that. Yeah. He's yeah. still the best part in any movie he's in. Every time he shows up, I'm like, it's Michael Caine. He was interviewed okay. there a while ago, and he, he had hurt his hip, and he was coming down the stairs, and he came down really slowly. And I mean, like, he's 87 years old this year, you know, and uh, wow. he came down, and the review, and the interviewer said, God, you know, you're in your 80s now, Michael. How does that feel? And he goes, well, it's better than the alternative. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know, so well... Yeah. Words of wisdom from Irene. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Michael Kyle. Oh. 
<laughs> well, this has been so fun. And it sounds like you guys have so many cool projects that we can have you on like a hundred times. Oh, we and we can. will. Thank you. We could be like, you know, you. would love it. What stage you're, you know. <laughs> but we what definitely need to get a camera angle where you can do your chin ups on camera. Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> and we need to see your ghost behind you next time. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. And you know Look, I'll tell you what we do. We give you an exclusive, right? That when we are, when we're on the set of the, the girl of blue kisses at trees, yes. we'll shoot a diary for you and you can have it exclusively. Love it. Definitely yeah. sign it. That Let's get that be, contract. You've said it on the air. Now we can use Love this. It. We can use this recording yeah. to uh, compel you contract. to do that. No, you guys, no, it's, it, seriously, it'll be the Cinemondo diary. Yeah, absolutely. That would be really cool. That I would, would be love super that. cool. Yeah, that sounds exactly. Hey, right maybe if COVID alley. is kind of you know taken care of, we can come out to the set. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be so <laughs> fun. Where are we shooting that, John? We're shooting that in Norwich, aren't we? And uh, yeah, Norwich, uh, possibly Ipswich. Um, what about Viewers Dragon? You ought to come on board for that as well. They have a video uh, diary of that. That's gonna be fun. Yeah. Definitely. Oh, I would love that. And there I'm, is a dragon in it, but it's only um, it's only a little toy dragon. Yeah. <laughs> I'll show you next time. That's adorable. We'll, we'll show, yeah. Love to show up on set and have our cell phones go off, and we'll talk right when you start rolling. And <laughs> are you guys rolling now? It's go. They're shooting without sound. Will not, <laughs> is she acting? No, it will not be shot Italian style because it's all dialogue <laughs> and character. Be a okay, fine. We'll be professionals that we are since we've been on a few sets. We understand. <laughs> I'm on sets every day. Wow. Hey, listen, it's well, terrible. When I was working with the kids, the teenagers, they they were talking so much. I the way I just before I called action, I'd go, shut the fuck up. <laughs> like twelve year olds going, that's what you have to do. Make sure you get that up. on the diary, abusing children. <laughs> well, this was so much fun. Again, so one for Meeks is available, and please check it out. It's really atmospheric and really yes. it, it, it gets under your skin in a very in a very good way. And, and just uh, that performance, wow! Yeah, it's a haunting Delmont. film. I think it's a it's a film that stays with you because you mm-hmm. you uh, it doesn't just go away when you finish watching it. It's one of those things you keep kind of yeah. imagining again. And I think that's a that's a a mark of something that's immersive. Yeah. yeah. And I can't wait to see a Jack the Ripper documentary. I never get sick of those. Love Jack the Ripper stories. Love it. Our guy, Mike Hawley, who's uh, pretty much the star in it, he's a a retired U.S. Naval commander. Wow. Okay. And a very cool guy. He's married to a beautiful Italian-American woman who is a triathlete, and she puts him through his face as big time. (laughs) I'm sure. Oh, my God. Keeping him fit, you know? Keeping him fit. (laughs) That's right. Keep moving. Like she had COVID, right? And oh. uh, the next day she was up. She was like wrecked next morning up out doing oh. her training again. Incredible. Man. Yeah. You know, probably because she was so fit. She was yeah. able to sort of withstand it better than a lot of people. Yeah. Yep. Well, I'm vaccinated. I'm good. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Travel Wonderful, is imminent. Guys. Well, thanks, John West, Jason Vegas. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. It was really fun. We want to have you back on. Yeah, a bunch Ooh, of times. Yeah. <laughs> we want to follow you everything, the bag, career. So you need your six-pack six bag for the girls. <laughs> <laughs> We're pretty strong stomachs. I'd say so. I'd say so. I like torment. <laughs> and, and, you know, and then that, did you recognize me? So that's who I am. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. Okay. You got to watch right. man then for a laugh, you know? Like, 
<laughs> oh, very violent too. Yeah, definitely. Okay, I'm, I'm rambling. I'll, I'll show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't hang up. We're gonna head out, but don't leave. We're gonna oh, yeah. do the outro here, and but but stay with us, and we'll we can yeah. have a little chat afterwards that nobody gets to hear what we <laughs> say. <laughs> Secret. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks very much for joining. Thanks for joining us. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.